Please be seated. You can turn in your Bible to John chapter 1. Look at several verses from the beginning of John's gospel, and they're printed in the bulletin. <clears throat> Taking a break from our uh, regular series in John to go to John uh, for Advent, at least for this first sermon in um, Advent. So maybe you're familiar with the story, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. C.S. Lewis, um, probably a household name. Uh, the story is that in Narnia, it's this wonderful magical place, in Narnia, because of the tyranny of the white witch, because of her evil power and her spell, um, it's been winter. It's been winter time out of memory. Always winter, they say, but never Christmas. Always winter, but never Christmas. What a miserable thought, right, children? It was miserable for the children in the book, too, the idea. Always winter, but never Christmas. The story, the story turns on the coming of the true king into Narnia. Who is this true king? He's, um, he's maybe not what they expected. He's Aslan. He's the great golden lion whose breath means new life. And the story turns on his coming. And when he comes... Finally, after the long, dark ages of winter, it's Christmas, and they have Christmas. And it's a wonderful picture for us of the great story that, uh, that the calendars and the liturgies of the church around the world and uh, throughout history, we've remembered now for thousands of years. We didn't make this stuff up. We're remembering it. We're celebrating it, and we're shaping the world around us with our celebrations do you know why? Do you know why winter isn't just a time of dull, cold, deathly silence? Do you know why festival cheer commends this season to our hearts? It's because the true king has come into our winter world and his coming meant Christmas. Uh, Narnia is really just a dim picture of this story, of the gospel story, because the gospel story is true. Narnia is not so true, right? But this story is true. God himself has come into the world as one of us, to be with us and to be for us. That's called the incarnation. That's what we're going to be talking about through Advent leading up to Christmas, the incarnation, the enfleshing of the Son of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the best story of all. 400 years ago, the Puritan Richard Sibbs said, that the incarnation is a greater mystery than that of creation. We cannot too often meditate on these things. It is the life and soul of a Christian. It is the marrow of the gospel. It is the wonder of wonders. We need not wonder at anything after this. It's the story of the incarnation. It's a wondrous mystery. It's worth discovering. It's worth exploring. It's worth understanding. And if you want to do those things, things like discover and explore and understand when it comes to stories. This is a true story, but it's a story. Uh, in elementary school, you've been taught basic questions to approach such stories, right? Um, as you're reading and investigating and trying to figure out what's going on in these stories. And you ask the questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? There's probably a little song that just entered your head when I said those words. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. When and where are easy questions to answer. 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, basic setting. 
for this story, but, but these questions, who and what and why and how, those are the questions that we'll ask as we approach Christmas, as we consider the incarnation of the Son of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And so today, we're going to ask the question, who? It's the first question. It's the best one. So, um, so let's pray, then we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, would you send your spirit to help us as we hear what you have to say to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ? We pray this so that we would come to faith in Christ, to deeper faith and trust in Christ, that we would be made um, more and more into the likeness of Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in the beginning, with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So the question is, who? Who are we dealing with in this story of the gospel? It's the most important question anyone could ever ask. It's the first question. It's the best question to be asked in the whole world. Who? The gospel story is the true story of the whole world. And it isn't just a, well, the moral of the story is kind of a story, right? We're not just on about some religious principles or divine rules to be kept, as if reality could be boiled down to such things as those, as what's, right? The world is about relationships. It's about people in relationships. That's what life is about, because there's a who at the back of everything, not just a what, There's a who. It's a who kind of world, and the gospel is a who kind of story because before all things in the beginning, there was a who. I'm not talking about like Whoville and the Grinch, the who's. I'm not talking about doctors flying around through time and space in their blue boxes. This who, who's behind all things, he's called the word. That might not help clarify things, right? Clear things up. The word is a strange designation for a person, but... But it is a who kind of a designation, the word. Because what is a word? It's an element of speech. It's part of communication. People speak words to each other in relationship. And this word is personal. In the beginning, the word was with God, like like one who is with another who. That's how that language is in the original. There's a regular way to say that something is with something else. This is a way of saying a person is with another person. This who was with God. And at the same time, 
this who was God. This word was God at the same time that he was with God. This who word person is identical with God. He's distinct from creation. He's distinct from creation. If anything at all is part of creation, then it was made through him, which means he's not part of creation. He's outside of it. He's before it. He's distinct from it. Because the only thing you could say that's not part of creation, part of what was made, is this who God word person. And that means that the roots of reality don't go any deeper than him. The roots of everything that have been made don't go any deeper than this who. This word person is the God who's at the back of everything, which means there's no more fundamental question than who is this? And John is telling us who this is. This God word person wasn't alone before creation. Before he made other people like us, he wasn't alone. This word, who is God, is also with God, like one person is with another person. The most fundamental reality isn't just a question of one who. And that's the answer to the riddle of our existence. That's the logic behind the whole wonderful universe as made by this God who is the one and the many in himself. Who is this God? Persons in relationship. To use language from our text and from the rest of the Gospels, from the whole New Testament especially, This God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This God is the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons, three distinct ways of being persons. Yet no more than one God, only one God. Perfect, divine, personal unity and harmony. And that's the answer to the first best question. It should be the first question of any Christian catechism worth its salt. Of course, I'm not aware of any Christian catechism that starts with this question, who is God? But if it did, as they should, who is God? God is the Father and the Son in the communion of the Holy Spirit. This God whose own life means persons in relationship. This is the God who made all things. And he made you. He made your life to reflect his So who are you? That's another great question. Who are you? First, and ultimately, you are made in this God's image, which means your life is meant to be about people in relationships just like his. That's the most fundamental, basic reality to your life, being made in his image. But you and I, we've revolted against that. We've revolted against God and his life. We've still got the deepest who questions because there's a who at the back of the universe and this universe and especially we were created in his image to be who-oriented people, but we've rejected this who, right? Even though we still have these deep questions. We have the questions, who is God? 
and who am I? Because it's true that he made us how he made us, and we can't escape questions like this. These questions drive us. Everything you do in your life, in every part of your life, you're asking the who questions, and you need some answer. The answers to those questions absolutely determine your whole life, start to finish, everywhere in between, and everything after that. The who questions determine everything. Who is God? Who am I? But instead of hearing his answer, we've made up our own answers. We've chosen not to be about him as he reveals himself. I've declared myself to be the supreme who, and I'll ask and answer that question for myself. Thank you very much. Goodbye. So my relationship with God is broken, which affects everything else, affects my relationship with everybody else. Everything I do is off because I've rejected his answers to the who questions that are fundamental to my life and all reality. He is the only one with the answers we need, and we walked away. So the world went into an ages-long spiritual winter, always winter, never Christmas. Until, of course, Christmas. <laughs> then this God-word person came to answer the who questions for us. The who at the back of all things, through whom we were made, for whom we were made, in whose image we were made for true relationships with God and with each other. This one who is the word, this one who is the answer to the deepest questions that we have, this one became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal one stepped into the winter history of our world. The creator took a created nature to himself, the only true God, took a human way of being upon himself. This word who became flesh didn't cease to be the word who was God, who was with God. Even in his human way of being, he's still this word God person. He has always been and is now and forever will be God the Word, the Son, the one who's behind all things, the second person of the Trinity, the whole and only and true God. But at that moment in the winter history of our world, he also became a man, truly and properly a man. And he is now and forever will be both God and man in one person. Who is this? Who is this incarnate word? Who is this God in human flesh? Jesus. You can read about him in the Gospels. It's great stuff, all true. He is the answer to the question above all questions. He's the center of our story. Not just of our story, and not just of our world, and not just of all worlds. He's the center of God's own eternal story. When he stepped into the winter world, when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, then it was Christmas, and Christmas means him. Christmas means the word becoming one of us and living among us, dwelling with us. Tabernacling is the language there, 
He became flesh and dwelt among us like God dwells in his temple with his people. And he did so to make God known to us to reestablish the relationship that we've broken. We need him to answer all our deepest who questions. Who is God? Who are we supposed to be in relationship with God? Jesus reveals God because he is God the Word. He's God speaking to us. He's God revealed to us. He's God made known to us. It says in verse 18 of our passage, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus is the only God. And he reveals God to us just as one person reveals another person in relationship. So N.T. Wright says, if you want to know who the true God is, look long and hard at Jesus. Long and hard. That's your, that's your homework for the rest of your life. If you want to know who, if you've got that question, who God is, look long and hard at Jesus. And at the same time, Jesus reveals who we're meant to be in relationship with God. He reveals that part too. He reveals what it means to be created in God's image for relationship with God and others because he's the only one of us who is in perfect relationship with God. He's one of us, and he's in perfect relationship with God. So if you want to know who the true human is, if you want to know who you were meant to be, if you want to know what God actually has in store for you, look long and hard at Jesus. Again, your homework for the rest of your life. If you've got that question about who are we supposed to be, look long and hard at Jesus. Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, he gave God to us. And after his life on earth and after his death and resurrection, he ascended into heaven. He returned to his Father's presence and he gave us to God. Jesus places God before our eyes, and he places humanity before God's eyes to reunite and restore and heal all our relationships. Jesus has made reconciliation between God and humanity in his own person. He's answered all our deepest who questions quite satisfactorily. He came into this winter world in order to bring humanity back to the summer of God's presence, as Karl Barth says, it was God who went into the far country, and it is man who returns home. So now, as you go about your life, every part of it, now you have the answer to the deep who questions. So everything can be different. In Jesus, you know who God is. You know. In Jesus, you know who you are. And those new, true answers determine your whole life, start to finish, everywhere in between, and everything after that. Your whole story turns on him. All our stories turn on him. God's story turns on him. So even now, it can still be winter in so many ways, but winter with Christmas. Because who's come? Jesus, that's you. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're at a loss for words how to um, 
respond to the depths of who you are, who you revealed yourself to be through Jesus Christ. He is the first word, and he's the last word. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who's behind everything, and he's the one who's after everything. What can we do but sit and receive who he is and how he's revealed you to us? We pray that this revelation, that this person who's made known to us, would come to mean more and more to us. He'd come to mean everything to us. He is the center of your story. Everything in this world turns on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so we pray that our hearts and our minds would be riveted on him and that we would be changed by that encounter, that personal relationship, to be more like him because he is beautiful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.